I'm Nick Westenhofer. For those of you that don't know me, I'm honored to fill in for Pastor Keith this morning. He's at the men's conference in New Orleans, and it's an honor to be here and a privilege to be here with you this morning to share uh, the word that the Lord's put on my heart for you, uh, for us as the body of Christ. Uh, our message today from the Lord is about your joy of salvation. What I want to do to start with is I want everyone uh, for just a moment or two, uh, I want you to think back when you gave your life to the Lord. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to think about the moment that you received Jesus, you were given the Holy Spirit as a gift, as a, uh, as a guarantee of your salvation. And the minute you received the Holy Spirit, he poured out the love of Jesus in your heart. That was the first time for me that I ever really knew what love was. I was just winging it up till then. And when he poured out the love of Jesus in my heart, that instance, remember that joy, that spring of water that bubbled up and filled up with inside you and filled the well within you until you hit overflow. What I want you to do for the next couple minutes, I want you, if you need to close your eyes, do it. I'm just going to be quiet, and I want you just to go back and just relive that for a second. Feel that joy. I want you just to, just to picture that and draw near to the Lord in his presence and feel that. Okay, I don't want to really pull you out of that, but hopefully you felt it. And we're going to, I, I want to, the uh, reason I wanted you to do that, because I want you to recognize uh, that when you receive that first fruit from the Lord of his love, that instantly you were filled with his joy. Instantly. That followed instantly. And you had that overflow. And I want you to remember those days because I want you to remember how you couldn't stop talking about Jesus. You were telling everybody what happened, what Jesus did for you. And that's so important. And we're supposed to still continue to do that. But sometimes over a period of time and life gets in the way and the seasons of life, that overflow seems to not be there anymore. And we sometimes say, man, I wish I had that overflow I used to have. Uh, sometimes we even might go as far as to say, the devil stole my joy. I just want to tell you right now, first off, the devil can't steal your joy. Okay? The devil can't steal your joy. Because that spring is still in there, and it's still bubbling up, even if it's not overflowing. And the reason uh, that you can, you can have confidence that the devil can't steal your joy is because John 10, 27, and 28, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. I hear them, and they follow me. He goes on to say in 28, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. That right there is your guarantee that the devil can't steal your joy. Now, we can give it to him and allow him to take it, but he can't steal it. He is a thief. He would love to steal it, but he can't. And the reason he can't, because the joy of our salvation is, our, is given to us by the Lord. And it is literally follows the Lord giving us that first fruit of his love, and immediately the Holy Spirit bubbles up within us, and we overflow with joy. So uh, I want to go back uh, for a second to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always 
be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstance. For this is the will, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let's go back to 16. 16 says, always be joyful. How do we do that? How can we have joy always? Through Christ Jesus, right? So in Christ, that is our joy, literally. And so the next verse, 17, is the key to how we sustain that, is part of the key to how we sustain that. Never stop praying. Now, there's several things I want to mention here, but the first one is that that prayer is how we communicate with the Lord. So in all relationships, if anything ever goes wrong in a relationship, it always begins due to a lack of proper communication, typically because we're too busy wanting to talk and we don't want to listen. So here's the thing. We need to listen when you have a conversation with God because we want to hear from him, first of all. But second of all, if we listen, we will hear the mind of Christ. If we hear the mind of God, then we know the will of God. And by knowing the mind, uh, the heart of God, what happens is, is that we begin to receive the heart of Christ. And the more we grow in that relationship, we have that renewing of our mind, it's called, meaning that we start to think like Christ, or we start to line up. So it's critical that we sustain that joy through that intimate relationship with the Lord. One more piece I want to talk about prayer. So often we think of prayer as a way that we, like we pray up in the morning, for example, hopefully, right, before we face the world. So that we can walk in the preparation of the gospel of peace because we're not thinking about that person that we got to deal with that might be confrontational. And we're trying to think what we're going to say if they say this. But if we do all that, we're literally setting ourselves up for confrontation. But if we literally try to be prepared to walk in the preparation of the gospel of peace, then we're not thinking about a conflict. We can actually represent the Lord in that moment and be effective in it. Now, there's another piece to prayer besides just praying up. That, that you need to recognize. It's very important. And we, we really, so if I step on somebody's toes here with this or throughout this sermon, I want you to not allow yourself to get offended. This is, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, the Lord's really put a lot on my heart and I'm just going to share it with you and I'm not going to uh, dilly dally about saying it. So I'm just giving you a, a thing up front. Look at it as uh, the Lord pointing things out. If, it, if, if, you, if you feel a conviction from the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And that's a good thing. That means you're hearing from the Lord. That's a really, really good thing. And so don't take it as, you know, oh, he's pointing his finger at me. No, take it as the Holy Spirit is trying to grow you and pull you in so that you can be blessed because obedience precedes blessing. So we've got to be obedient. So here's the thing. This is really big. So prayer, whether you know it or not, it's not just about praying up to go into so we're ready for war. We, when we pray, we are literally engaging in spiritual warfare in that very moment. So when, when we have a corporate prayer call from our pastor, who is our commander of his troops, we need to fall in rank, show up to do our duty. Because we're sending our commander into, into warfare with a squad at best. He's got an entire unit here. And when we have corporate prayer, we go to war 
with our commander and about a squad worth of soldiers. You're all warriors in the kingdom of God. Please, please, please pray over this. Find time. It's so critical. The first Saturday of every month here, uh, 9 to 10. What's Holly Pond? Okay. So, please, please pray over it. It's so critical because we are literally going to war. When you go to prayer, you're going to war. And if we come gathered, guess what? The enemy says, oh, my gosh. Look at this. Every rank and file is here. Man, this, oh man, I, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I was worried about saying that to you, but the Holy Spirit just hit me and gave me confirmation that it was okay for me to say that, so I'm good now. All right, so we're going to move on. Um, as our joy of our salvation, King David would say it like this, restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now that second part is a key to what's going on. We've got to be obedient to remain in that joy, okay? Now, we're going to come back to David here in a minute, but just to give you a heads up if you're not familiar, you need to go read Psalms 51. But this is David's cry to the Lord after the Holy Spirit speaks through the prophet Nathan and convicts him of his adultery and basically the murder of Uriah. And David is crying out to the Lord for forgiveness here. Now, we're going to get back to that in just a minute. But before we get there, I want to take you and take a, a look at our key scripture today. Our key scripture is going to be John 15, verse 9 through 11. This is the one that I felt the Lord gave me a revelation on a few months back. And as I started to prepare this sermon around this, I just couldn't get off the scripture. The Lord just kept pouring more and more into me. And even after I turned in my notes for them to put up here, he kept giving me more and more. And so, but here's the thing. Before I, before I can break this scripture down, I have to try to create a paradigm shift in your thinking. So what I want you to do is allow me just, and I'll be as brief as I can. For those of you who know me, that's kind of tough. But I will, I will be as brief as I can to share with you a small fragment of a testimony. So I take you back to 24 August, 2016. I'm sitting in church on a Wednesday night before service starts at the church that we attended before God had called us to liberty. And I'm reading in the scripture a scripture that was given to me. The first scripture was given to me during a personal encounter from the Lord. And it's John 15, 5. We'll get to it, that later. When I finished reading that, and I purposely sat under a light so I could see really well, I flipped forward in the Bible and the Lord just literally took me to Matthew 24, 45. And my thumb was right on the scripture. And, but it wasn't the scripture that caught my attention. What caught my attention was it was a red page. It was full of red text. And, you know, we, we passionately say, hey, you know, those are the red parts. That's what Jesus said. But listen, here's what happened. I, I, when I saw that, you know, and I first, well, I had to, I, first I got to admit, I was actually embarrassed. There wasn't a single underlined highlight anywhere on the page. I thought, have I not ever been here before? Because this old King James Bible that I was using, years of underlining and highlighting, and there was nothing on this page. I couldn't believe it. But what happened was the page just illuminated in the red text. And I had this thought, how awesome would it be to be sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing him speak these words to me? And I want to know, I want to let you know in that moment, that very instant, 
this overwhelming joy just flooded me. I mean, supernatural joy was released in me to the point that I, I just, and I heard Jesus literally say to me, but I am here with you now. And I am speaking these words to you here and now. Listen, if you still look at it that these are words Jesus said because they're in red, make that next level shift into the fact that when you go into those words, he's literally speaking to you. Take those words to heart. Like we're going to break this down here in a minute. Now you got to do something with it, right? You can't just read it. You still, you can receive it, but you got to act on it to make it happen. So we're going to break this scripture down and I want you to use that perspective. So Jesus is saying to us now, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commandments and remained in his love. Now listen to verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Hold up. What? Wait a minute. All right, all of us that are saying, I want that, I want that refresh, I want that refill, I want that overflow, I remember it, it tastes good, I want it back. How do we get it? Well, he says we can have it. Let's see what he said we had to do to get it. We go back up to verse 9. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. So the first thing he said was what? Remain in his love. How do we remain in his love? By being obedient. That sounds pretty simple. But the problem is, is the enemy is constantly there. So if I mess up, the enemy wants to bring condemnation on me and guilt and shame and get me to pull away from the Lord. So I don't remain in his love. It's not that he's not right there with me. The Lord's still right there with me, but we're the ones that pull away. Well, listen. A child of God does not hear from the devil first. He hears from the Holy Spirit who resides within you. He brings what? Conviction so that you will ask forgiveness and seek repentance. So don't ignore the Holy Spirit. Simply ask forgiveness and seek repentance. Because you need to believe strongly in 1 John 1, 9 that says that, that he is faithful and just to forgive us all sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There you go. You don't, you don't have to wait. Just soon, Holy Spirit's going to bring conviction before the enemy brings condemnation. Don't give him the chance. Immediately. Now, you may say, well, pastor, you don't know what I did. Okay, well, let's look at Romans 5.8. It says, but while we were yet sinners... God showed out, showed his own love for us in that Christ died for us while we're still sinners. What? I mean, come on. We can come forward immediately with, now, here's the thing. In doing that, what are we doing? We're being obedient. So I take you to James 4, 7 that says we must uh, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So all three of those scriptures support us instantly being able to stay and remain in God's love. And our joy will continue to overflow. But let's look at another aspect of this. So here's the thing. If we remain in God's love, and I want you to look at it this way, that God, the minute, okay, so first off, the scripture says, 
we love because he first loved us, right? I mean, I know that's true for me. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't know what love was until the Holy Spirit poured out the love of Jesus in my heart. I want you to recognize that the Lord immediately upon your salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit pours out the first fruit of God into your heart. The first fruit. First fruit is love, what? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the first fruit is love, and he pours that out into your heart, and instantly the spring begins to bubble up inside you and fill you with joy. And that joy is how you spread that word to the world. But we got to remain in his love to do that. And how do we do that? By being obedient. The Holy Spirit convicts you before the enemy brings condemnation. But let's say I'm not obedient. I, you know, I go ahead and I'm doing my own thing for whatever reason. I'm being a chucklehead. So I'm going ahead and do my own thing. So what I want you to recognize, if you remain in Jesus' love, you are literally residing in your position of purpose. You have a position of purpose within God's kingdom. And when you remain in his love, you're maintaining that position of purpose. I'll take you back to David as an example. David, this didn't happen overnight. We're told in the Bible that he saw Bathsheba from the rooftop and sent for her to be brought to him, and then all the other mess followed. But I present to you, it didn't happen in that one moment. And you know how we know? Because it, the Bible tells us that it was the season that the kings went to war with their armies. David was supposed to be out in his position of purpose, leading his army. But he chose to stay back. Wasn't nothing wrong with him, except for ungodly thinking in the moment. But he chose to stay back, which means that before he ever acted on this, most likely, Nick speaking here, pride set in. I'm the king. I can have whatever I want. He began to lust after Bathsheba. We got to be careful because pride and lust are the root of every sin. It starts there. So the minute you start feeling a little prideful because of maybe your position that you have, you got to you got to check yourself. God God can only use you as you're humble. And also remaining humble keeps you from getting prideful and going into lust. And so David was already in his mind in that spiritual warfare. Well, we know that's where our spiritual warfare takes place. So what about while it's in our mind and we haven't acted on it yet, we haven't spoiled our testimony to the world as a Christian, we recognize in our mind that we're in a battle. And now by now, we yes, we have the devil bringing condemnation uh, and the Holy Spirit trying to convict, so they're, they're both working on us. But the problem is, is we've already engaged it in our mind, and so what happened is, is we've opened a door, and the devil's got his foot in the door jam. And so now, if we don't hurry up pretty quick and ask forgiveness and repent, he's going to build a stronghold. whole lot harder to overcome. We can do it, but we're setting ourselves up for some, some tough times. So, 
I just want to be clear with you how you can tell the difference, whether it's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction or the enemy bringing condemnation. Because the words kind of seem to parallel a little bit. And uh, when you think about it, it, it could actually be hard to figure it out. But I'll tell you, it's really not. And here's how. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction so you'll take responsibility for your actions. And it, it may not be that you did anything wrong. You just may not actually be doing what you was told to do. In other words, if you haven't heard from the Lord for a while and you're saying, I don't know why I haven't heard from the Lord. Think back when the last time you heard. If he gave you some instructions, he's still waiting on you to do them. So that's kind of disobedience too, right? We didn't do what he told us to do. So, um, but if whatever, for whatever reason it is, you were disobedient and the Holy Spirit brings conviction to get you to take responsibility, ask forgiveness and repent, get back in your position of purpose so you can remain in the love of the Lord and be overflowing with his joy, always trying to get us where we need to be, right? So that's what's going to happen. But when the devil brings condemnation, it may seem a little bit like the same thing at first, but then all of a sudden you start feeling guilty. Well, that might just be kind of like taking ownership of the responsibility. So that's still kind of a, you know, maybe you can't tell. Here's when you can tell. The minute the enemy starts to make you feel shameful, the minute you feel shame over anything, it's the enemy. You want to know why? The Holy Spirit, the scripture said, is given to us to build us up in Christ. Our new identity when we're reborn is in Christ. The Holy Spirit resides within us, and we're supposed to represent Christ through the Holy Spirit. And all the Holy Spirit's going to do is build us up, lift us up. He is not going to make you feel shame. That's the way of the world. That's the way of the enemy. That's Satan. That's condemnation. So the minute you're trying, if you're trying to figure it out, as soon as you feel shame about it, recognize who, who it's coming from. And then submit to the Lord... Ask for getting to seek repentance, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay? So, we've already looked at the, uh, the backup, if you will, uh, for asking forgiveness, right? Everybody good with that? You know, we, John, 1 John 1, 9, put it in your heart. Put it in your heart. Stand on that. Stand firm on that. And, uh, and, and quickly repent. So let's go to the first point on the lesson. It says, the Lord does not stop loving us when we sin. He is always there faithfully, ready to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We need to submit to God, ask forgiveness, and seek repentance. As soon as the Holy Spirit brings conviction, then we will remain in the love of Jesus and overflow with his joy. So I want to give you some more firepower, if you will, to do this. If we look at Luke 10, 19, Jesus literally said, and he's saying this to you now, okay? I want you to get that perspective. I wanted you to get that perspective. This is, this is the red part. So this is what Jesus is literally saying to you right now, okay? I, I, I didn't make this up. This is his words. He said, look. Now, listen, if the Lord starts out with the word look, it's like put down what you're doing and pay attention, right? I mean, it's important. It's critical. He says, I have given you all authority. I have given you authority over all the powers of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will hurt you. What did he say? Power over, uh, authority over all the power of the enemy. You need to receive that. 
You have that authority in Christ. It's not you, it's in Christ. But the Holy Spirit's within you, so therefore you are in Christ. What's Christian mean? It means little Christ, right? We're supposed to be following Jesus' example, and he showed us how to do it. So the key is that we got to step into that authority. Listen, the enemy knows you have that authority, but they ain't worried about you in the least if you're not operating in that authority. You need to receive that. You need to step up to it and take a hold of it. Now, this next scripture, Matthew 18, 18. I might offend some people with this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this home, and, and you need to receive it, uh, as I talked about earlier. I tell you the truth. Now, wait a minute. If Jesus starts off by telling, saying, I tell you the truth, doesn't that sound like really important? Because we know he doesn't lie to start with, right? And he's telling, he's like, he's making emphasis of this, you know? So, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now listen, I love this translation because I want to tell you right now, I don't know that I ever read it in this translation. I'm pretty sure it's uh, NLT. Uh, you got it on your notes. But here's the thing. Hearing it in those words, forbid and permit, clicked. I mean, it was like I got a, had a revelation on it. You know, it was like, Oh, wow, I could run with that now. You know what I mean? With something about the binding and loosing terminology I almost made it too spiritual. I, I don't know if that's correct to say it that way. I mean, that sounds bad I mean, to say that out of the pulpit, right? But, but what I'm getting at is we can recognize permit and forbid. And so here's the thing. Jesus went to the cross, yes, for our salvation, but he also went there for our wholeness and our healing. Isaiah, we'll get there in a second. Isaiah 53, 4 literally says that he took our grief, which if you dig in strong and try to find the meaning, it's, it translates to sickness and disease. And our sorrow translates to pain. So all those aches and pains that you got and any uh, thing you've been diagnosed with, or any uh, hereditary thing, listen, you got to stop saying, I have this, I have this, my mama, papa had this, so I'm going to have this. The doctor uh, gave me this diagnosis, and then you start owning it. No. Listen, the curse and sin and sickness and none of that mess was in the world before the fall. It was a curse, and Jesus took it all to the cross. He took it to the cross. You're not supposed to own it. So when you start taking ownership, you've now permitted it on earth. Guess what happens? Now the devil who's up here, the Bible says the accuser who's constantly coming before the Lord, bringing accusations against us. Now you gave him firepower to gain legal right to bring that upon you. That's exactly what's happened. That's exactly what this is talking about. You've got to stop it. It's time to have a paradigm shift. It's time for a new renewing of your mind that you say, no, I don't. When somebody in the world speaks something over you that's not biblically correct, and I just showed you, and I'll show you the verses in a minute to back that up, that when they speak something that's not biblically correct over you, you need to say, no, I don't receive that. I don't receive that. A diagnosis, okay. All right, here you go. I'm in a battle with this. Don't own it. I'm in a battle with this. There is going to be things come upon us, and we have to overcome it. But we can't overcome it if we own it because we have 
permitted it on earth, so it's now permitted in heaven, and the enemy now has a legal right. We got to take the legal right away from the enemy, and we do that through the blood of the Lamb, but we do that through, uh, you know, repentance of those thoughts. We've got to have a mind shift. And then the next piece uh, that, that brings all this together that we got to remember, because remember, we got to stay humble. We have to recognize that it's not us that gives us this ability, this power, this authority. It comes from Jesus. And Jesus, one of the, one of the this is my scripture uh, the Lord broke me with, is John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I abide in him will bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So, it's only in Christ that we can do all this, but we can do it because we have the authority. We've been given the authority. We're expected to do it, by the way. Paul says it like this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Spirit of God who is given to you? You're no longer your own. You were bought with a price. The Holy Spirit resides within you. Let's go to the, the next point. In Christ, we have authority over the power of the enemy. Whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever we permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So where does this come from? This comes from what Jesus did for us, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin become sin for us, that we might become righteous, the righteousness of God in him. In who? In Christ. That's who you are. Claim it as your identity. Claim it as your identity. Um, so uh, the Isaiah 53, 4 is next. Uh, Surely he has bore our grief, which translates to sickness and disease, carried our pains, our sorrows. So when you, so I, I've had a couple mishaps. I, had a, I could share some testimony. We just don't have time for all of them. But the uh, Lord's really, I mean, just, I shouldn't be here. Lord has... Has has, I probably had a squadron of angels watching over me, and I had a bad bike crash in a, a, a 1998, and I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't lose my lower part of my leg. And um, the 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 thing is, is that when I left the hospital. I thought they just put me in the cast. They put me in them robo boots. And I was still active duty military. And I asked the guy in charge of everything. I said, hey, how long do you think it'll be before I'm up and running again? You know, because I'm military. I got to get with it. He says, oh, man. He says, I don't want to discourage you. He said, but the trauma that you just went through, most people's never going to run again. In fact, you're going to have to learn how to walk again. And you'll probably have a permanent limp. I said, oh, no, that ain't happening. I'm in the military. I'm active duty, man. I got to get, no, get this fixed. This ain't happening. And I, I said, I'm going to share it with y'all. Just go ahead. <laughs> So exactly 11 months later, after physical therapy, ortho released me, doing physical therapy, learn how to run again, walk again. I told my, I told my uh, ortho, and I said, when he released me, I said, okay, Doc, how, how long do you think it'll be before I can run again? I said, here's what I'm thinking. They got a really good uh, running track on the arsenal. It's one of the real cushy ones. I said, I'm thinking, you know, I'll just run the first lap and walk a lap. He said, no, no, won't you consider just walking the first lap? I didn't listen. I set my timer. I took off as soon as that, as soon as that, Heel hit the ground, boy, the pain shot all the way up through my head. I was like, oh, and I'm trying to keep from falling. But 11 months later, after learning how to walk again, run again, 
I had to take a PT test. PT test. Oh, by the way, back then we had to do a two-mile run, and I just took one Friday before I left town uh, and maxed it for my age group. I'd run faster when I was a little younger, but I was, I guess, like 33 at the time. And, and so I, I ran a 14-minute a two-mile, which it was maxed for my age group. Well, after 11 months of rehab, learning how to run again, and it was weird because they put this leg back perfect. This one's still symphonated pronate, whatever, I forgot. And um, so I had, my gait was messed up. So after learning how to run again, I had to take a test, and I turned a 15-minute flat, and I do not have a permanent lip. How great is our God? So, so my point in sharing that with you is we can't receive those things that are unbiblical that the world wants to speak over us. We've got to stand up. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.15 says, And the Lord will protect you from all sickness and will, let, and will not let you suffer these terrible diseases. So it's up to us that we uh, forbid those things, that we don't permit them, we don't want to receive them, we don't take ownership. Yes, we can be in a battle, and that's the way you present it. You see, I was diagnosed with such and such. I'm in a battle with this right now. Pray with me. Don't take ownership. Don't take ownership. Don't give the, the devil uh, that ability. Okay, so the next scripture is 2 Timothy 1.9. Does anybody recognize that? Anybody got your bracelet on? Okay, so, so the funny part was is I had this. I was already working this, and I had it on, but I didn't have the New King James translation. So I thought for just for fun, since this, that's what was on the bracelet, I'd switch it back to King James. But this is critical, right? Because it says, who has saved us and called us in a holy calling, not of our works, but of his purpose and grace. Okay, I don't have all of them memorized. Which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. I should have had that part, right? So the key is, though, what I want you to recognize is, when did he give it to us? Before time began. So listen, you guys got to realize this. this is, if you don't know this, Man, you're going to love this. But if you already know it, just confirmation, right? So here's the thing. You were each and every one created fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. And it gets even better, if it can get any better than that, that before the creation of the world, God had a purpose for you and a holy calling. So you are literally in the fabric of the creation of all creation. Your purpose is part of the blueprint of creation. And then he created you with this gift of grace, which is your natural abilities that you enjoy. It's the passions you enjoy. That's your clue to what your calling is supposed to be because that's going to be the foundation of it. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. His yoke for you has been specially crafted for you to carry that passion that you carry. It's not heavy because you love doing it. That's your foundation. That, that's that yoke. Each one's different. They're crafted differently. Those grace gifts are different, but they're the foundation of your calling. So just be mindful of where your heart's at, and you'll recognize that God's gave you those abilities because they might be very difficult for me, the ones that are special for you and easy for you. That's why we're all here in this together. So... Um, but he did that before time began. And, and so you should, be, you should just be overwhelmed with that, right? That, that you're so fearfully and wonderfully made and you were literally part of the design and creation. So if you're here today and you say, well, that all sounds great, Pastor, but I don't know the Lord. Well, the very fact that you're here today is good. 
Now, now Jesus says in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So here's the thing. If you're here, you probably feel this stirring inside, just, just like this overwhelming desire to, you know, you're excited about what you're hearing. Let me reassure you, that is the drawing of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It might be a little uncomfortable because you don't know why, but that's who it is. And he's speaking to you, trying to draw you in. Because the fact of the matter is, uh, Ephesians 2.8 confirms that it's by God's grace that we have been saved through our faith in Jesus, in the finished works of Jesus, right? Uh, uh, not of our own works, but here's the key. It is a gift from God. I know sometimes gifts are hard to receive. I'm, I'm bad about that myself. But this is a gift you don't want to turn down. So Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. Listen to this. I appointed you to produce lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. So what fruit are we talking about? Well, guess what? He's already gave you the first fruit of love when the Holy Spirit poured out his love inside you when he gave you the Holy Spirit. That joy bubbled up. There's your second fruit right there. And as we go through the, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they, we continue to grow in the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord today, and I really, really apologize for not addressing our online community uh, up till now. I just, I'm sorry. A little, little uh, out of practice up here. So, but... Uh, welcome. Uh, sorry for the late welcome. <laughs> but uh, in all sincerity uh, as well for the folks that are watching online, I just want to assure you if you're a believer in the words that I've been speaking, if you, if you don't know the Lord, I want to just encourage you to receive the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we, we all know some people in some other religions that are great people. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except through me. So if you do not receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is no eternal life with the only true living God. So we have to recognize that first and foremost. And you might be saying, well, you sure make it sound pretty complicated. You've been talking a whole lot. And I'm kind of confused at this point. Well, let me reassure you how simple it is. Now, listen, a lot of people say, no, it's, that, that sounds too simple. Can't be. But this is the truth. It's God's word. Listen to this. Romans, 9, or Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you openly declare Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. You simply say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I know you died for me that I can have a relationship with the Father. That's all you got to do. It's that simple. It's so empowering. So I want you to keep that in the back of your mind if you're sitting there struggling with this at the moment. We're going to move on to 2 Corinthians 5.5. 5. <clears throat> It says, now he who prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit, given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we've, we've kind of covered these scriptures already, but we're going to look at them just for, you know, concrete. We're going we're to we're go ahead and nail it home. 
And then Corinthians, and, and as I was putting this together, it's just the Lord gave me these scriptures this way, and I just, I really love this. You know how the Lord always puts little tidbits in there, and this may not click for you, but it really clicked for me. You know, five's the number for grace, right? And uh, the next three scriptures are chapter five, verse five. I just, it just, so, um, so God gave us the Holy Spirit, and then Galatians 5, 5 says, uh, for we wait for the hope of righteousness in Christ, right? We wait for the hope of righteousness uh, by faith, sorry. Romans 5, 5. And hope will not, does not disappoint because when we received the Holy Spirit, he poured out the love of God in our hearts. So I want you to recognize that, that the minute we receive the Holy Spirit, we are now in Christ, in the righteousness of Christ, and immediately the love of God, the first fruit of God, was poured out into our hearts. And then if you want a definition of joy, sometimes joy is kind of hard to explain, right? And so if you want a definition of joy, I would, I would uh, say that this is it. This is John 4, 14. But those who drink the water that I give will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I would say that's a definition of joy. As far as I'm concerned, that's, that's, that's telling you what joy is like. And then after we receive that love and that joy, uh, we can walk in the, we can discover and walk in the peace. And uh, John 14, 27 is when Jesus says, peace be with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. And then 2 Timothy one, uh, 1 verse 7 says, For God has given us a, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Let's look at the last point. It says, uh, Through the love of Jesus, the life spring of joy bubbles up within us. In the love and joy, we find and walk in peace. Love, joy, and peace manifest patience within us. Kindness and goodness be begins to blossom. And we become faithful in showing gentleness to others. For we have been given the spirit of self-control. I have the next scripture as Galatians 5, 22, 23. Because I want to close out the overall message with the fact that the, the lasting fruit that Jesus charged us to produce is literally the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's how we re represent him. I believe that we were given this to recognize that that should be the core character traits of a Christian. And that is the lasting fruits. And just as that last point, I tried to make in that last point, that it, it occurs over our, over our growth, over our uh, maturity in Christ. And the more we get in our word, the more that we have that opportunity to do that and, and in prayer with the Lord and listening to what God's saying and not just be talking all the time, but actually listening. And then once he speaks to us, us actually uh, taking action on that. And so <clears throat> I just want to close uh, today uh, basically uh, and 
and offer to anyone here today or online that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion. It's not about going to church, although it's important that we gather and fellowship and strengthen each other because that's how we uh, remain cleansed because we're in that fellowship and we remain in the presence of the Lord and we encourage each other and we can be accountability for each other, protection for each other, help serve and help carry the load for one another. That's how we demonstrate those characters, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you're trying to do this on your own. He's never intended to. You have this inner void that you're constantly seeking to fill. You go through hobby after hobby, relationship after relationship, because it's not where you're going to find it. You're hungry for love. And the fact of the matter is, you don't even know what love is until you allow Jesus to love you first. And once you feel that love, and the Holy, you ask Jesus to, to be your Lord and Savior, forgive you your sins, and you allow the Lord to be the uh, Savior and, and your Lord, and He gives you the Holy Spirit, that love will just overwhelm you. And that joy will bubble up. And you won't be in this alone anymore. You was never intended to be. You was never intended to be. You were created to have the fellowship with the Lord. You, in fact, you, you were created to spend eternity with God. That's what this is all about. All of this is just temporary. It's temporary. And you know what? I want to encourage you in this. Those here in the sanctuary, those online, we are super special because we were born for such a time as this. And I'm telling you, I'm excited because I already said I'm living until 120 before Jesus comes back. And I'm telling you, I'm not making it to 120 because he's coming back before then. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, you better get ready. And it can happen any moment, any moment because the Bible says that the return of Jesus is imminent, which means at any time. We don't know. There's no, absolutely no clue of when he would come. None. Now, after that, we can mark out what's going on. But the good news is, if we're right with him, when he comes, we're taken home with him for the wedding supper. And then we return with him to take care of the bad guys. That's right. We are, oh, it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be, I've never rode a horse. I'm going to be on this beautiful white stallion. It's going to be so awesome. So, I'd ask that everybody just bow your heads, no one looking around. If, if this is you today that says, yeah, I, I really wish that I had someone love me that much. I really, I really would love to feel love. I'd really love to know what real joy is. I'd love to just be in such a presence. Somebody actually know my worth. If you don't know the Lord today, today's your day. I ask you to raise your hand. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus right now, that you would raise your hand, that we could pray a prayer with you, that you could receive the Lord. If you're online and this applies to you, you don't know Jesus, type a, type a little text message in there if you're watching online or send emoji, whatever, however you want to do it. But we're going to pray a prayer here in a moment together. I'm going to ask the, the ones that already have a relationship with Jesus to pray this prayer along with you, with us. I'm going to give just a few more minutes. 
you raise your hand, our ushers want to give you a little packet to kind of give you some, some a little guidance on how to continue to walk it out. And we'd like to help you in that walk. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son and your sacrifice. We pray, dear Jesus, that you'd forgive us of our sins. Do you come into our life, be our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for raising dear Jesus from the dead, giving us eternal life. I dedicate my life to you now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're released.